0: the concert pipeline, that's Yen Shippel. and that is Steve Jones. That, that was delayed. You're doing great, huh? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, is on really, fire today. I, was, I like said that really fast, so I, maybe there's a little bit of a delay. <laughs> you know, that uh, on an audio podcast, people can't see when you're doing a mouth gesture, uh, you know, they the, it doesn't translate no. as well. In an audio podcast, but I, lo- hey, I love man. it, man. From... So you're like ruining my style. <laughs> it's okay. It's something. All right, you're take giving... two. Let's start over. Oh, do we have to? <laughs> I-, I like rolling with it. I think we're going. Uh, do you? All right. Yeah, we're good. Oh, I, it's I, something. I, you know, i It's I'm... a little bonus for those that chose to watch this on YouTube, is what it is. So. Oh, I get it. <laughs> you're ridiculous. <laughs>
1: Oh it's my the god, rain, yeah.
0: man! It's it's okay. raining like crazy. And it's it's surf- raining like surf- 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 crazy. Surf- the dog surf- does, yeah, yeah. You know that we've got some issues with the internet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's slow. Everyone's logged in because it's raining. You know, so the weather that's a big problem because it's raining, problem. and you know, internet connections get funky, especially zoom and FaceTime and such but uh even the dog doesn't want to go out like this little guy's been holding it all freaking day he's gonna be holding it for a while if uh <laughs> at this point right like you're gonna have to take him to the vet you've had yeah you've had a dog longer than I have like how long does this holding it last like I mean, more I than a day mine generally you know is adverse to going outside in the rain but eventually will because it is uh uh, a natural thing that needs to happen for him to Necessary. release his bodily yeah <laughs> Probably functions Bloods. you know so yeah so so that'll happen. <laughs> but uh <laughs> I mean uh hopefully right. yours does. not I'm just worried. Too. Yeah, I'm just worried the little guy's gonna explode like pff, little doggy parts all over the place. Uh, little mess in your, want that your, your living room huh yeah yeah well yeah well, well Jens I do want to say that we have uh, a, a great artist on the program today I had an, uh, a chance to talk to Justin Moses and he performed a song for the pod also which was uh, really cool so uh, we're going to get into that in just a little bit but before well, we do it's, it's yeah it's exciting to have Justin on the show and um we uh, we will just, you know, share a couple of silly stories and stuff, uh, you know, traditional fashion. And then I guess we'll bring Justin on. Sounds good, well, why don't you start us off? You got a silly story for us, Jens? I do, I do, I do. Uh, so, you know, this um, for a lot of people, myself included, this whole staying at home thing, you know, quarantining yourself and staying safe and never going outside, unless you have to take your dog potty or do a beer run or something, it really gets to you after a while, right? I think like, I think a lot would agree with that, yes. Yeah, you know, it can really drive you freaking crazy. And I, I'm really curious at this point, um, it's almost been a year, it's been like 10 months or something, right? Since this whole thing mm-hmm. happened. And um, I'm just wondering what some of the crazy, you know, shit people do. Like, if, you know, things that, that people used to take really seriously and I don't care about anymore. Or you almost wonder, it's like, dude, I can't believe you did that. I never thought you'd ever do that. You know, duh. So like one of the things uh, for me is, um, you know, you, you always want to make sure that you're, you're keeping your distance and stuff. So one thing I haven't done at all is I haven't gone to the hairdresser at all. Mm-hmm. Right. So like my wife cut my hair twice last year. I got two haircuts last year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in I'm the same, same boat, except it wasn't my wife. It was my daughter. So <laughs> your daughter, there we go. Yeah you know it can't be it, 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 it whatever happens happens right we you and i both work from home no um, one judges no one's judging no one judges. either so exactly yeah. it's not a fashion show oh. um and uh i've got a friend uh his name is mike and he he cuts his own hair mm-hmm. and um we were in a um you know doing a, a you know, one of these face-to-face things like we're doing now. And I was just like, who does your hair? Your hair looks the same as it did last year and the year before. It's like, perfect. Like, do you, have a, do you wrap up in bowl wrap or something and go to the hairdresser? He's like, no, no, man. I, I cut my, I do it myself. I just get my, you know, little buzz clippers and I just cut it myself. And I'm like, damn, it looks freaking perfect. So what I decided to do was um, since I had this little dog, I've been trying to become more and more comfortable um uh giving the dog you know little haircuts um and i've also been trying to get him used to things like scissors and buzz cutters and um nail clippers so that he won't you know have a freak out next time we yeah. take him to the uh to the to the groomer you know because last time we took him to the groomer the groomer said your dog uh needs cbd like he is out of control um and I, uh, you know we're like. He's a puppy. He's like three months old, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's learning. But ever since then, I've been kind of paranoid. I'm like, okay, what can I do to kind of you know help this puppy out and become more used to you know the uh, the whole groomer environment, where they have only have like an hour to 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 make this dog look perfect, and the dog you know like squirms around and bites and and, and shit. So anyway, um, so I had these old hair uh, like beard like beard trimmers and stuff. Yeah um and i'm like you know what the big game is tomorrow this was on saturday right like a big game um is uh, on sunday and it's gonna rain right we're gonna have this freaking rainstorm and there's supposed to be flooding and shit and all week long so this is the last sunshiny day so i'm just gonna go outside and um give myself like a haircut hey if if my friend mike can do it i can do it too and i'm like i don't need Uh a mirror (laughs) so i i my old my like my my old uh clippers uh they broke i i,
1: <laughs> I was yeah. using
0: them on the dog and uh, they worked actually really really well on the dog but uh, they just were, were very powerful the battery's dying and i'm like you know what i'm gonna buy i'm gonna buy a new doggy um you know specific grooming tool which i have right here uh-huh yes my dog's name is jaeger and everything i buy him is either green or orange of course yes jaeger meister colors yeah this thing kicks ass Okay. This thing is badass. It's a little big for the small little dog that I have, but it came with these little, you know, different size trimmers like they all do. This is a small one, but I used the biggest one, which was like an inch, right? And I'm like, I'm just gonna shave my entire head and I'm gonna have like an inch of hair everywhere. And then I'm just gonna ask my wife to fix whatever looks funny. Right? Uh Uh-huh. Was she on board too? is she on board she, didn't know. <laughs> she was in the shower, so she had no oh, okay. idea I was going to do this. <laughs> and I've been meaning to like cut my hair, um or kind of just you know give it a, um just kind of cut it down. I didn't really want to cut it that short, but I don't know, maybe cut like half of it off or something.
1: I've been um, here, by the way. Getting...
0: Yeah, you've been here. You've done this. Oh, I've I shaved my head. You know, like, oh, I don't know. It must have been ten years ago or so. And are you serious? Was, no, I... I, I, it looked look bad. It was just bad. I looked like a cancer patient, dude. I'm not even kidding, yeah. <laughs> and I had, I, I had to wear a hat. You know, we had, you know, my ex-wife and I uh, and my daughter were actually getting photos professionally taken for, uh, by one of my ex's uh, for, you know, friends, sisters, who's a photographer, and, like the next day or something. I had to wear a hat over that. And I, I'm telling you, even still, it didn't cover up all the, uh, how bad of a job I did. There were pictures, uh, uh, you know, uh, you have to show me some photos, man. No, no, we're just, okay. Like, you have, must have before and after photos still, dude. It was 10 years ago, I'm sure you're over mm. it. You can share that stuff, right? Sure, yeah. Well, I guess it must've been, yeah, about nine years because my daughter was there, nine or something, yeah. Yeah, something like okay. that. But, but anyway, right. a long time ago, Gary so, yeah, on. So I'm like, I'm like this thing's idiot proof, right? So all you gotta do mm. is just like, you know, start start like this so you have an inch right so yeah. keep on doing that until no, no more hair falls off your head um, so there i am you know just pumped about pumped about the game pumped about not having a you know my head be hot all the time and saving money, you know, save my 25 bucks at Supercuts, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and I won't get COVID because I'm doing this by myself. And my wife is a backup and you know, and she she's okay. She has no barber experience at all, no hairdressing experience, but hey, you know, she's great in a pinch. Um, so here I am like, you know, doing my I and mean, I'm watching all this hair falling down and I'm like, oh God, this is so easy. Why didn't I ever do this before, right? And my hair, my head's starting to feel really good and cool and breezy. And and then it's like I look down and it's like, oh, that's a lot of fucking hair.
1: Uh
0: huh. So then I'm like, okay, no, my hair is falling down. I must have a perfect inch everywhere. I didn't realize my hair was that long, but all right, whatever. I walk to the freaking bathroom. Yeah. You ready to see my it? hair? Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. You sitting down? I-, I am, and I have a camera ready just in case you're and wondering. You- just I think I mean I think as long as you've known me I've always had somewhat long hair, right? Somewhat. Never I mean at like, points even even longer and curly and you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's never been like crazy short military stuff. I've never had short hair like that before. No. <laughs> there it is. Dang. Yeah. yeah. Like look, see? This is the shortest this is the shortest one I have <laughs> and it's still too long for this. Like how did this happen? Oh my gosh! Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, Yours—I'll tell you though. I'll tell you, yours is better than than mine was when I when I did that nine years ago. It was, Are you serious? Well, that's—you probably had more hair. Look at these receding hairlines. I had no idea, dude. At least you, know you have the receding hairline to protect you, you know, because I didn't have that. Yeah, and it was it was just bad. Like, I didn't, I don't know why I thought it was a good idea. You know, like you said, save $25 at Supercruise or something. You know, just do it myself. Yeah, you know, you see it in the movies and stuff and it looks really easy. You know, like the always does it in the military movies and stuff, no big deal. Um, And I'm like, you know, I never thought that I would be really happy to have hats. Like, to help me out. Like, I have have a a couple of these different, you know, hoodies uh, or little, Beanies, I guess this is a beanie, and then I've, I've got these little hoodies. Like you know, hey Steve, what's up, man? I've never had my I've never so had just my just... hood up before on a hoodie. I've never used you know the actual hat, just kind of a fashion thing. But yeah, you know, I'm so glad this this actually goes over the head now. Yeah, okay. yeah, you're... <laughs> <laughs> you're just gonna be gonna gonna be rolling with the hats now. Totally, and dude, so this was on Saturday. And until today, I still, when I walk into the bathroom and look in the mirror, I still like, I'm like,
1: holy shit. Yourself.
0: <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I, I completely you know, forget how short it is until I look in the mirror again. I'm still shocked. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, but, but like that, what I was talking about before, like people do crazy things during crazy times. I never in my entire life thought I would have a haircut this bad, or if I ever did, I would be devastated, but I really don't give a shit. No, it doesn't matter now. See, I this could is care less. Like for me, it was a problem nine years ago, and I did a b- b- bad job. For right here, this is not that bad. You know, it's a little shorter probably than you were expecting, but it's not that bad. Yeah. Especially in COVID, it's okay, right? So you're totally you're all, you're good. You're good. You know, and it'll grow good. back, and you know, no, yeah. no, no one is judging. That's the thing. It, no know, one's judging, and if they did, that'd be fine too. Okay, look, I have a tape measure. <laughs> See, <laughs> that's a fucking inch, right? Yeah. Yeah. How did you know. that happen? Uh, well, you obviously use a smaller guard, probably, I would say. So, <laughs> but I think I probably did like this. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would say instead of that's, this. That's probably it. So, but anyway, well, that's,
1: that's exciting times. It is
0: what it is. Yes. All right, man. Well, that's a good segue. I, I mean, I don't know that we have a segue, but we're gonna move on into our guest now. Uh, thanks for sharing your uh, your big debut. Sad we, no you know, sadly we lost the Green Bay game, unfortunately, no. but but you know we don't... It was a, it, it was a killer game it was a killer I could not have asked for a better for a better game, yeah, they lost, yeah, I hate Brady, he can eat shit, but um that was a fucking good game, dude, yeah. It was, it was fun. So, all right. Well, uh, we're gonna bring Justin Moses in before we do. uh, Let's play the song that he uh, played for us. He has a new album coming uh, that uh, uh, just came out called uh, Fall Like Rain. And we're going to play the um, title track off of uh, that album. So here it is, Justin Moses. Just, uh, Justin, if you could tell me just how you're, uh, how you're holding up through everything with COVID and, um, you know, and the crazy times that we're in right now. Yeah, it's been a crazy,
2: uh, year or so for sure. And, you know, holding up as well as can be, you know, given the circumstances, um, there's been a lot of challenges, uh, in a lot of ways, you know, you know, one of the most challenging years of my life yet, and probably for a lot of people. So, um. You know, I can't complain uh, because I'm still able to 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 do certain things. You know, I'm still able to record at home and and uh, do do show uh, you know certain kinds of shows online and everything. But uh, yeah, it's definitely been an interesting past few months.
0: Yeah, and I know it was always a dream for you to kind of play at the Grand Ole Opry, right?
1: And yeah, you were
0: able to do that as well.
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, I, uh, I feel like for a lot of, uh, a lot of musicians, the Grand Ole Opry is one of those things that you want to do when you first start out, um, learning to play music and, and, uh, working at it. And, you know, if you start to think that this might be something you can pursue as a career or something like that. So, um, yeah, I, I I don't I don't know where the idea, you know, of that started, but I I finally got to do it in 2008 um when I got to play with Dan Teminsky and his band and so um that was a big deal for me then and and luckily I've gotten to do it many more times since.
0: Yeah, you played it last month, is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah. I I actually played uh twice in the last uh well, I guess in the last two or three months, I played once with Sierra, and then last month I got to to play it again with Darren and Brooke Aldridge. I got to play some guitar with them. And yeah. And how are time. those
0: shows? Like, would it tell Tell me about playing shows, kind of in this this time, because there's not a lot of them around. So, yeah. How did that work yeah.
2: out? You know, uh, it it was uh, a good. It's good, always good to play at the Opry, really. It really is. I know everybody says that and it sounds cliche or whatever, but it's true. You know, it's always great to, but it is different with, you know, the show I did with Sierra, there was absolutely no crowd there. And uh, the one I did last month, there was a small crowd. So you're used to, you know, I played with Ricky Skaggs for a few years. So, you know, I'm used to going out on that stage and seeing uh, a big crowd out there. You know, it holds a lot of people, but. Um, going out and only seeing a handful is kind of strange and then seeing everybody you know obviously in their masks and some people were uh, you know wearing the face shields and everything it just it's a little bit different atmosphere with that being the case you know it it definitely uh, is a stark reminder of the 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 situation we're in N- not that you need one but you know it's it's just another way that you you look out there and go yeah this is a different year for sure
0: yeah. Did you find you were still able to make that connection with uh, with the fans that were able to attend in that you know limited environment?
2: I think so. Yeah. Um, once we got out there, and you know, you you start playing, you can see the reaction on people's faces, and and you have that human interaction again. And I think that that uh, still still translated with only a, a limited crowd and and everything.
0: Yeah, and and for you, what is it about the Grand Ole Opry that's special? That you know, that made what was it that drove you to kind of want to play there and uh, and be a part of that the legacy ultimately?
2: Yeah, it's just the uh, all the legendary uh, legends of country music that have played there, and you know, bluegrass being uh, just a, a branch on on the tree of of country music, it definitely. Just has uh, such a rich history. it's like if you really think about all the people that have stepped out on that stage when you step out there, it definitely can make you nervous and feel like you've gotta um, live up to that that standard that uh, the all the prior folks
0: set yeah and uh, so let's let's go back to kind of your your start a little bit so you're um you come from a musical family and your your mom and dad. Um, Actually met each other through through music and through church and everything, and so it 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 seems kind of like it fell into place for you to kind of uh, let you know go that direction from a a child. Did did it always was it always something you were really passionate about?
2: Yeah, you know, from a very early age, I would always witnessed my dad sitting around playing guitar a lot, and and he would play you know gospel songs, but in addition to that, he would he would play uh, country songs and little intros and, you know, like some of the, the, uh, iconic intros of some of the country songs and things. Johnny like that. Cash, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he he learned all that stuff by ear. And, uh, and so hearing him do that, I mean, at home, dad probably played more than mom, but, um, mom also played some piano and, and, in church and everything. And, yeah, it, it just was always a part of my life. And in, in, at age five, I, I I think I just saw somebody play a mandolin on TV and thought, like, th- that looks like something that would be cool to do. And I asked for one for Christmas that year. And so I turned six years old and I got one that year for Christmas. And um, dad knew enough about the mandolin to show me the first few chords on it. And, well, the night, the night that I got it, he showed me G, C, and D, and I learned those. And, and he knew enough about it to show me several tunes and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, so it was, always, it was always present.
0: And did you like to, like, run home from school and just, like, pick, uh, pick up the mandolin and start playing? Were you, like, so passionate about it at that point that, you know, you, you're inseparable?
2: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I, I don't know that every day that would have been the case, but it definitely was many days. You know, it, it was, it, it. I've always told people that like my parents never pushed me to do it or, or asked me to practice or anything like that because I was, I really loved it and I, I wanted to do it. So, you know, I always, you know, on my own would, you know, like you said, after school or something, I would pick up the mandolin and, and be trying to to learn something on it.
0: Yeah, and did you take, I think you took lessons for a couple of weeks, but you picked it up, like, really quick from there on your own?
2: Yeah, yeah, man, I, I took probably six or eight weeks, something like that, of lessons from a guy named Harley Millsaps that my dad knew of, that, uh, you know, he knew he played several instruments, and and knew more bluegrass tunes, and stuff like that, than my dad did, so he took me uh, to him for lessons, and and I would always go and uh, take my cassette, and he would have a cassette recorder there, and he would always, at the end of the lesson, record several more tunes for me, and I always tried to to learn them that week, you know, during the week, and I would go back and uh, usually be able to to play them back for him pretty close anyway, and, uh, and so he would always give me more, and so, yeah, after six or eight weeks, he felt like he had, you know, given me sort of what he had, <laughs> tools-wise and everything. And so, uh, yeah, from the, from then on, it was learning by ear.
0: Wow, oh, that's great. That's great. And, uh, and so, obviously, family's a big influence. Uh, were your friends an influence as well, musically? Did you kind of have that connection with your peers?
2: You know, I didn't really have a lot of friends that played music when I was younger, especially. You know, after I got up to be, you know, I don't know, 10 or 12 years old, my dad started taking me more to jam sessions around the area where I grew up. And uh, I got to meet some people. Most, most of the people that were playing were older than me. So (laughs) it wasn't like I had direct peers at the time, but, um, I I made a lot of good friends in music, you know, that have remained friends that I got to play with during my teenage years. And a couple of them, you know, I I ended up forming a band with uh, called blue moon rising, but Yeah. Yeah I mean as as time has went on that's been more so the case. It's just early on I had a lot of a lot of older folks that I ended up playing with.
0: Sure. And as you became a teenager, uh the you kind of uh, gravitated to the banjo a little bit? Tell me about that progression for you.
2: Yeah, uh it really it was about that time that I just spoke of like between the age of 12 and 13 somewhere in there we we got exposed more to like uh, traditional bluegrass, like the bluegrass that I had thought of before that was, was gospel bluegrass mostly. And I mean, of course I'd heard uh, the Beverly Hillbillies, you know, theme and uh, probably some banjo on some other shows or something like that. But uh, we really got exposed more to bluegrass around that age. And, and of course, you know, the banjo is so prominent in in, in bluegrass music uh it really the other thing that caught my attention was the an episode of Austin City Limits with Allison Krauss and Union Station and and uh, Ron Block the great banjo player in her band I got to watch him directly on the screen uh play and and it seemed like something that I thought well that's that looks cool too I think I, I'd like to give that a try and so from from there I think you know, Dad probably around that time got a, a really cheap open back banjo, and that's what I've, I learned a ton of stuff on. Was just a, you uh, know, the strings were really high off the the, <laughs> the neck. It was a difficult uh, instrument to play, but you know, if you're if you're determined, you can you can learn on a, a cheap instrument sometimes. So, yeah,
0: you work with what you got, right? So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and so aside from your parents, uh, I, I know the, the band that kind of was the most influential and in kind of you de- deciding to make the call to play music is Primitive Quartet, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so tell me about them. Uh, you know, I, I'm not familiar, but tell me kind of what it was that drew you to their music and uh, and kind of seeing them live and making and kind of you wanting to kind of have that for yourself.
2: Yeah, so they were the in, in the sort of gospel world that I grew up kind of listening to, they were the Bluegrass gospel band, you know, like, and, and they were the ones that I, I, that I saw all the time on TV, and I got to see them a couple times in person, but they, um, they never played a whole lot of anything that would be, that I would say is, fancy or <laughs> you know sophisticated necessarily music but uh it, it, they all um particularly the guy named mike riddle that played guitar in that band is a great player he he plays really clean and you know very clear and i think that was a big influence on me uh you know above anything else with the band was that and in their harmonies they you know they sang great harmonies and uh, and so same di- same deal with uh Norman Wilson was the mandolin player in the band, and and he he would tell you, you know, that he wasn't much of a mandolin player, but he played really, he played really simply, but he played, you know, you could tell what he was playing, you know, he played clear notes, and he he stuck to the melody a lot, and and that really stuck with me a lot, I think, through the years.
0: Yeah. Um, can you tell me a little bit about Hee music? What is that? How does it Differ from like bluegrass, like what what, what's that line? And um kind of explain that to me a little bit.
2: I'm not sure. I'm not sure I can. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, when you say hee haw music, do you mean like uh music that was on the show hee-haw?
0: Oh, that was that's what it is. Okay, so hee-haw was a show. Sorry, I don't even yeah I'm getting that connection now so so it was music that was on the show uh, hee-haw that you were you were into right and it was it
2: well I mean I was exposed to it for sure like that's uh, you know during those early years with me playing music with my family we we traveled around most Saturday nights we were like playing somewhere in in a church somewhere or something like that and so I wasn't, you know, watching it every week, but there would be weeks where we w- weren't doing that and, and my dad would definitely turn over and, and see that. So, um, yeah. yeah, you know, they had a, a lot of different musicians on the show over the years. And, and I know that the music I was hearing there was was definitely influential to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And so you mentioned traveling with your family to play at d- uh, different churches. You did you did a lot of that, right? Like you went to Kentucky and uh, and different places to play, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. we 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 mostly stayed close there in East Tennessee. Um really, really Southeast Tennessee. We didn't travel out of that area a lot, but there are a lot of churches in that area. Um but we uh we did occasionally, you know, get asked to come down into georgia or north carolina or kentucky a couple of times but uh yeah we we did a whole lot of that kind of singing you know from basically for me from age seven up until basically in my 20s i was still doing it a little bit my early 20s yeah
0: yeah um, so your your new album is uh, Fall Like Rain. Um, tell me a little bit about your process pulling together the, uh, this album and what you were looking to to create. Uh, you know, when you went into creating it.
2: Yeah, man. Uh, th- this album is, feels like it's been a while in the works, and I've I've always since the time I started playing music and and really, you know, started getting into bands and 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 making albums with them and everything. I've wanted to make my own records too. And I've always put back material and songs and I've always written tunes myself and, you know, this, the collection of songs that I have here are stuff that I've, some of it, you know, I started writing many years ago and some of it was pretty, pretty recent. And then there's, there's certain tunes on there that are combined. Like some of some parts of them are old and parts of them are new. So, you know, I've been putting together this this stuff for a long time, and in different ways. You know, there there's uh, three tracks on the record that I co-wrote with a couple friends of mine, Tom Mutes and Peter Cooper. And then I asked a lot of my friends, you know, that are in music, if they had songs that, that might be of use. And then some some of them suggested songs that ended up getting used that weren't theirs, but uh, like the the Eric Clapton tune "Fall it's Like Clapping. Rain." yeah, I, I I asked my friend, Keith Garrett, if he had any songs, and because uh, th- he writes, you know, some songs, and he he was like, no, I've not really written much lately, but uh, I know this Eric Clapton song that might make a really good bluegrass song, and after I checked it out, I thought, yeah, this this is going to work for me, you know, because he, he, he said it probably worked for you, because it it has that high note in it, you know, it goes at a, a pretty high in one place, and and he knew I had a higher voice, so thought it might work out for me and 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 i felt felt like it it did so
0: yeah, so when you went into uh kind of deciding to cover that song like um how do you how do you approach that right um, how do you kind of uh, take it and pay respect to the original artist uh by but still make it your own
2: yeah, it's always a interesting thing because you you start out knowing you know exactly or trying to figure out, I guess I should say, exactly how the artists themselves, you know, are doing the song. And so I, I sat down and and played with it, tried to just sort of uh, by ear figure out what was going on. Uh, and then, then I, I think I made out a chart for it Really, a lot of the evolving that took place with it was in the studio with the you know Stuart Duncan, Brian Sutton, and uh, Barry Bales, and uh, my wife Sierra Hall playing mandolin. We we sat in there, and I mean the the main part of the song, you know, like the the chord changes are are for the most part through the song similar. They had a couple of good ideas though about changing it up there in a couple of places and adding adding a quarter or two to the to the mix but the main you know the main part of the song I feel like stays pretty pretty well within the structure of what what he was doing originally yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: when you record with your uh, wife Sierra like tell me tell me about that process like uh, do you ever kind of go back and forth uh, you know and and like she's she wants to stick to her guns about how something should sound, but uh, you have a different perspective. What, what is that? What is that process for you guys? How do you how do you keep it separate, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: No, I think we do pretty well recording most of the time. Uh, you know, we both have pretty strong ideas, uh, of course, sometimes about what we think something should be. But I think that we've come to a good place where we're pretty reasonable with the other person. Like, uh, you know, if it's if she's recording something and it's her her music you know, I can have my opinion about it, and I'll express it, but in the end, I'm like, you know, I, I know this is, you know, your music, and so I defer at some point, and it, it's the same with her, you know, she, she may have a, a, an opinion, and I'm going to respect that, you know, right off the bat from her, but, uh, you know, if we do disagree, you know, I think we have a good understanding about that sort of thing, you know, and that's something that we've had to deal with, with playing live shows and everything else. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's interesting w- depending on the situation that you find yourself in. Like I uh, we, we've been doing duo shows together and that seems to work really well for us because, you know, we each bring whatever we bring to the table and, and we, you know, come to an agreement on what the show's going to be like. And uh, it's that just that seems to work better for us personally than than me kind of working for her and her feeling like, well, I know you have these ideas and these opinions that you (laughs) can't necessarily share or uh, could share. But, um, you know, I can't be the boss of her (laughs) of her band. So, you know, it's just uh, it's just one of those things that yeah you got to find your way i think with your partner on what works between the two of you
0: yeah was there ever a point where there's a hesitancy to to kind of record together to, to and to make music to, uh, together
2: i don't think we've had really much head had hesitancy to uh record together particularly because again i say I, I think we sort of know our boundaries on that you know um I think, you know, we might have a little hesitancy about the live stuff just because we've, <laughs> we've had experiences where, you know, not that we had a big blow up, but, it, it, you know, there's just certain circumstances that work better than others. And I feel like that, um, you know, we, we're we open. I, I know I can speak for her, I think, in this case, that we're both open to to whatever comes up. You know, I mean, if, if there comes a circumstance where her band is playing somewhere and she needs somebody i'm gonna do it in a heartbeat you know and we'll we'll have fun doing it but um i think you know we we know that we have the most fun when (laughs) when we play live when we're both involved in the creativity of whatever's going on
0: yeah if that makes Um, sense oh yeah yeah it does it's um it's important to have that, that balance and it's great to be able to you know have that partnership with with your partner ultimately and yeah. share the same things you know you know and, right. and have the same passions also i mean that's it's pretty cool
2: yeah oh. well i think you know music was a big part of of us getting together to start with you know i mean we uh met playing music and we uh we grew closer to each other uh playing music and 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 but in the end, I you know, to me, I know that she's more important to me than than even music is. So, uh, it's it's definitely important to keep things in balance and in, in perspective.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Right. Nothing's up, you know, that precious that you can't let go of it. And... <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
2: Like, there's no <laughs> no musical idea that have that's going to be more important than than our relationship. So,
0: yeah. Um, you mentioned a while back about um, having been in the uh, Dan Tominsky band. Yeah. Uh, and um, he played on uh, this album as well, right? So he, yeah. he's on Between the Lightning and Thunder. Yeah. Um, so tell me about the dynamic kind of first having uh, been in his band and also kind of flipping and him playing um, uh, on your album.
2: Yeah. So that it was a really big deal f- for me to get to play in his band uh, years ago. I was... Uh, huge fan still and am like he's one of my favorite singers in the world really but uh it was it was a really big thrill for me to get to uh, get to be asked to to play with that band and then you know even in the last uh well let me think about I guess now it's been uh 2000 the end of 2019 Dan started playing a few more shows under his name and he was calling me a little bit to uh to do some stuff with with his new band he was putting together and so I had been in contact with him again and we had you know played around each other a little bit and I knew I was wanting to put this record together so the door was kind of open in that you know sense I think it would have been anyway because you know we 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 always have enjoyed or I have I guess I should speak for myself but (laughs) I always enjoyed getting to to play with him and and i think he tolerates me all right anyway
0: <laughs> i mean he can be your album, So uh, yeah your yeah album. yeah no he agreed to it
2: so um no so with us having played me playing some shows in his band it uh, opened the door for me to ask him to be a part of this record and he was you know he was totally up for it and and fun to have in the studio as well like he's a he's just such a talented guy. He, he, could, he could roll in there and do whatever you wanted him to do really. Like he's, he's that guy that can just, can do whatever you need out of him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very cool. And, uh, and you, uh, you have some songs that were recorded by, um, by guys in Iraq.
2: Yeah. You know, the song walk into Lebanon on this record, uh, the, the intro to that tune was, uh, played by a couple of guys in uh, the uh i guess the kurdish territory up there um there's the story behind that is sierra and i did a uh, we did some promotional work for her daybreak record in london england and uh when she was promoting that record and we went out walking one day and there was a, a group of protesters there from Syria that were trying to raise awareness for what was going on in the country at the time. And it really struck me because I'd never been able, I'd never been uh, just around anybody speaking that passionately about anything really. Uh, it's really just struck a chord with me. And I had been watching the news i I try to keep up with with what's going on in the world anyway as best i can and uh you know i saw on the news a story about a little girl that that lost her mom and dad and and you know had her little sister with her and they were walking you know across the desert walking to try to get to refuge in uh lebanon and that that news story really stuck in my mind too and so i was co-writing one day with with uh, tom Utes and peter cooper and i was telling them these the story you know of this this new story i watched and i was telling them about also witnessing the the folks uh protesting in in london and that song is what came out of that that session that day and uh so a couple of years later sierra and i did uh a american music abroad tour where we we went to you know it was two weeks but we traveled all the way around the globe basically we played one week in in micronesia in out in the uh pacific ocean it's literally almost like out in the middle of it
1: wow okay <laughs> but,
2: yeah yeah and then we uh we went from there to the west bank and played a week of shows there for like students and and different things and it was just a super interesting trip because and the guy that was uh our sort of tour manager on that said we went from the edge of the earth to the middle you know or the yeah. edge of the world to the middle of the world like we're in the center of where everything's going on but um there we got to play with some uh musicians that played oud and tabla the instruments that you hear on the beginning of the song and so when i thought about recording this song I got in touch with with the guy that was our tour manager because he's he goes all over the world and knows musicians in uh so many countries so uh he hooked me up with those guys and they they recorded that for me and I was so glad to get to include that in this song because I feel like it's it's meaningful to me to have that on there and uh and have that link you know, bluegrass music is usually pretty limited to the the five or six instruments that you, you know, want to say are bluegrass instruments, but I I definitely wanted to have that influence, you know, present in that song.
0: Yeah, that's pretty, I mean, that's pretty impactful. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so, and so traveling the world uh, as you, you have and playing music, like what, what's something that you've learned about yourself through those, that experience? Man,
2: probably a lot of things, really. Uh, you know, one of the things is just teaching you how blessed you are in a lot of ways, like the life that you lead. You know, you, you just see the conditions in different places. And, you know, we've played in in places that uh, are um, every bit as well-off is what we are here, but we've played in, in places like the Micronesia thing where uh, conditions aren't, appreciation for for what you have, and uh, also just, um, you know, I guess in some, certain ways we place a whole lot of importance on a lot of things sometimes that aren't that in, in, in life, and I also is a lesson that you can definitely take from just traveling the world, meeting people with different cultures, and and, and realizing that, and, and to me, this is, I take away that that we're all basically the same, that, you know, we may have minor differences uh, of the way we dress, or, or you know, we may have a different religion, or we may have different uh, ideas in certain regards, but we're mostly the same, and if we can <laughs> keep keep that in mind, maybe, you know, we we won't get so hostile toward one another. <laughs> I think it's important to keep that in, in perspective.
0: It is, and I, you know, I mean, I think that's a great lesson, you know, to have kind of taken away, because I think a lot of people have forgotten that. A lot of people have lost that, you know, especially recently, and it's even more important now as we're all kind of going through this together to um, to realize that, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, these the times we're in now should should hold a mirror to us and and uh, and show us those things, if nothing else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're literally dependent on each other to the, the pandemic. You know, it's like you know maybe. If uh, certain parts of the world rid themselves of the the virus, um, we we need the whole world, too, basically, so that it doesn't re-spread. And so, yeah, I mean, it's the direct evidence (laughs) and and ideas of of what I'm talking about. It's, uh, you know, we we need each other.
0: Yeah. Um, About five years ago, you did your own podcast uh, called Cosmosis. Um, Yeah what was that experience like for you? You got to talk to, uh, I think a lot of people that you, uh, respected and, um, kind of tell me about that, uh, that outlet that you, you took on.
2: Yeah. You know, it's something that I got interested in myself and cause I, I like to listen to a lot of podcasts, you know, uh, and, and it, the natural, I think it's natural sometimes to think, Hmm, could I do that? You know, maybe, maybe I could do that. And so I, I just decided this try it anyway and I started with the people closest to me and friends you know and, and things like that to try to break the ice and and so and then I expanded out from there a little bit but it was a great experience and and I tell people to this day that you know I'm not currently doing them but I've not given up on the idea entirely that I couldn't pick back up at some point and still do some interviews and start that back up because it is a lot of fun. I, I feel like the reason that I dropped it was because I did feel like maybe at the time I was putting more time and energy into it than, than what I was getting back out of it. But um, it's, uh, it's really fun to sit down and talk to people long form and, and get to get to know them a little bit better. Like I, I learned a lot of things about people myself that I, that I didn't know. And, and I feel like that was uh, hopefully a value that you you bring to these things where other people hopefully are are getting that same experience where they they hear some things maybe they they hadn't before
0: yeah and you find yourself able to kind of have a conversation that you wouldn't otherwise have right and yeah absolutely uh, you know and ask questions in a way you know listen in a way that uh that you wouldn't if you're just you know, sitting around and talking with, with people, but, you know, I, I don't know. I've, I've, I've been doing this for almost 300 episodes now. And and so I've definitely learned a, a skill of listening, um, and man, that being is curious.
2: One, yeah. That, that was the, the main thing that I noticed when I started doing it. And I only did like 30 something episodes, I think, but, um, after a while, I started realizing even in normal i was asking more questions and i <laughs> i was just a little more curious and 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 you know and like you said listening you know it's 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 a funny thing but i i, I did find that
0: yeah uh, so guess, uh yeah um so with with this album you know I mean, uh, kind of looking ahead. Was there were, were there songs that you had recorded that you're kind of like that didn't fit into here that you're already kind of looking at you know where they might go elsewhere or what what's kind of next for you, Justin?
2: I had some other things in mind that I, I didn't feel like quite was was going to fit or work uh, with what I was doing here. So I definitely have uh, you know I had an instrumental that I almost recorded with one band that I that I'm pretty sure I want to record on the next thing. And I didn't have a whole lot of um I didn't record a whole lot of extra songs. I pretty much recorded the way that I chose, but I had a a, a little bit bigger list uh that, that yeah I'm definitely gonna go back to and and check out and, and I'm not sure it's like I feel like to some extent I've got a I've got to get started on a record before I really know what shape that it's going to take, you know? So I've been, get back to get back in recording mode. It's funny, you know, you, you make a record and then there's this, all this time in between, you know, making the record and then it coming out. And so with this coming out, maybe, you know, I'm going to be busy a little bit in the next uh, little bit, uh, just, promoting the record and all that sort of stuff but but definitely getting back in the mindset of wanting to to record again and and see where things sort of lead me because I, I i like to think of it more like that than just deciding that okay this is what i'm gonna do
0: yeah let it come naturally
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah well cool well just Set a certain theme yeah yeah. Well, thank you for for taking the time today, Justin. I uh, I definitely appreciate it and uh, and dig the album. I mean, you're a whiz on the banjo. It's uh,
2: <laughs> it's uh, oh man, thank you so much.
0: Yeah, I was did just you, gonna say, it's, it, uh, no, no, but I God, I can't even keep yeah. up. I can barely keep up with listening to it, let alone like I I just imagine <laughs> the thing, f- the fingers. Like my fingers can't can't do that, and uh, you know, and it's just like it's an incredible skill that you know. I mean, I, I don't listen to a lot of banjo music but i really right. respect it right uh yeah, sure. and uh i mean just that abil- ability to be able to do that is uh, is a great skill so
2: oh man yeah it's a whole lot of fun if you ever get the urge to do it it's a whole lot of fun to, to play and mess around with i know when i started trying to learn banjo i spent a lot of time with with the instrument just trying to figure out the roles and i learned them wrong some of them you know at first and and just kept at it and kept playing and kept trying to to see, well, you know, if, if there's any such thing as wrong, I guess, you know, because, you know, music's music in a way, um, but it was wrong for what I was wanting to do, so yeah, I, I, I learned how to do it more like I, I wanted to hear it anyway, and I think that that's, uh, that's an important thing for people if they try to learn an instrument, just kind of stick with it and and have some determination to, to get where you're wanting to go with it, because it takes a lot of patience, so.
0: And a lot of people are afraid of failure, but you know, yeah. I've in my own life, I've learned that some of the big, th- biggest mistakes and some of the things that seem like the worst things at the time are, you know, are really paved the way for uh, for the growth that I've had in my life, right? And uh, yeah. and uh, and really are part of what make me who I am. So absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, awesome. Well, thanks, Justin, and uh, and thanks for taking the time. And that was the interview with Justin Moses here on Concert Pipeline and Jens. That takes us to the final segment on the program. What is it? Well, it's time to talk about what's happening in the world of music. It is our segment on music news, Steve. That is right. Jens, we each have a couple of stories to share and uh and what's going on in the music world, some you know, happenings and such. And I think we have a couple of good ones this time. So we'll uh we'll hop right into it, shall we? Yep. Yeah. Uh in traditional fashion, let's uh let you go first and I will follow your lead. All right. Well, Jens, my first story is about the flaming lips. Um they they did hold their first space bubble concert in o- Oklahoma, so this is a time where concerts are super rare, right? And it's and it takes a lot of finagling to make them happen. Bands have tried, you know, drive-in concerts and where you instead of you know uh, holding up lighters or something, you honk your horn. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And, and and I guess it's better than nothing, kind of. You know, you get to see live music, but. I don't know. I don't know it's not the same and and right now you can't do that obviously so uh Wayne Coyne from the Flaming Lips had bought a bunch of uh clear plastic bubbles which he you know had uh famously you know crowd surfed in for years and years and years I mean I saw him do that do this upwards of 20 years ago at this point now uh-huh. uh at a, at a festival in san diego um and so he he bought a bunch and and from even outside the country and uh and had them delivered to his house so that he can you know do get creative with a live show and people can be in their own bubble and and see the flaming lips in true flaming lip style right um, that's that's cool i love how you know innovative uh artists are being around this whole isolation thing. Yeah, Um, and so the, let's see here, is a coronavirus safe show and uh, took place at Oklahoma City's Criterion venue. Uh, Fans watched the show from a hundred of the space bubbles, each of which could fit up to uh, three people. Um, And the band also performed from their own uh, balls on stage, not their own balls, you know, per se. They weren't performing from within their balls They They weren't standing on their own balls performing. (laughs) No. Uh, But they played songs from throughout their back catalog, covered Daniel Johnson's True Love Will Find You in the End. Um, It would have been Johnson's 60th birthday yesterday. Um, So they they covered that. And Coin also held up silver balloons that spelt out, Fuck You COVID-19 and Fuck Yeah Oklahoma City during the concert. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So, So they're... There, there was a film crew present to record the show, so pr- professionally shot footage could be released in the future. Um, they're going to have a spa- they had another space bubble show, I guess, the the, the following night. Uh, but and you can check out videos of that, you know, online. Probably shot through a bubble because the professional footage isn't out yet. So, right, uh, interesting times, huh? Very, very, very interesting times. So I'm what trying to got get a visual of what these bubbles look like. Oh, yeah, i not seen them. Like just yeah search for flaming lips and bubble uh, and i'm sure you'll you'll get it but it's uh i mean it's pretty pretty innovative uh, you know not a yeah. huge tur- you know population for a show but you know you get i mean it's as big as can be right now right yeah why not you know and it's going to be memorable for people it's like remember that bubble show we went to 20 years ago that was oh wild, yeah dude. yeah you never can't been anything that. like it yeah. And and to get to go to one of the few shows that exists in the country or the world even right now, you know. I mean, it's just uh it's awesome. Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. You know, like we were saying in previous podcasts, if you can get to a show, if there is a show, number 1, number 2, if you can get to it, go. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. All what right. do you got for a show? So, uh, I got uh, I got a story, but before I, I, I share this story, there's uh, some breaking news that I wanted to um, share with you. This is hot off the music news press. Oh, what do you got for us? Yeah, and we've covered uh, the Spice Girls before, right? Um, yep. A while back. So uh, this is a, just a short uh, little blurb about the, uh, the Spice Girls. Um, and if you remember, Steve, we've got five Spice Girls. Mm-hmm. Yes, scary, posh, we, Moses, curly, and so. So close. Yes, posh, yes. <laughs> scary, yes. Moses, I don't know about Moses. <laughs> know. We have baby spice. Oh, Angel yeah, that spice. One, uh-huh. We have sporty spice. Okay. We might have a Moses, but <laughs> we have a sixth member. We have a sixth member of the Spice Girls. Okay, okay. And I, I, I present I present to you Old Spice. Oh, okay. Wow, yeah, yeah, that's special. Old Spice, coming to a venue not anytime soon. No, no, I would say probably no venues anytime soon. They will not yeah. be touring with Old yeah. Spice, will they? Yeah, they, they wanna make sure they're keeping it safe too, you know, right? <laughs> yes. Old Spice. Well, Old Spice is the only one that's prepared. You know, COVID so he's you know got his mask and you know gloves and everything. He's, he's ready, nice. dude. Right? Yeah. Those yeah. other five had they're, they're so clueless, like mask, what? Old Spice, yeah. man. He's got the mittens and everything. He's like ready. Okay, so talk about what's happening on Sunset Strip in Hollywood, California. When it's happening is happening ends? Well, I'm glad you asked that, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you what's happening on Sunset Street, uh, Sunset Strip in Hollywood, California. We've got, uh, we've got Eddie Van Halen's 66th birthday. And how is that being celebrated? And that is being celebrated at Guitar Center by the unveiling of a ginormous mural. You said unveiling and mural or something. <laughs> m- mural. Uh-huh. <laughs> a m- mural. 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 A giant mural. Merle. A giant mural outside of Guitar mural. Center. Yeah, Center, a mural.
1: Center. A mural. yeah.
0: This thing is 17 feet by a hundred and five. Damn, son. What what is that? Like taller than wider or wider than taller? I mean I would think wide. But I, I think it's like I don't know. Fatter, I, other than it's fatter, not like taller, right? It's like I would think so wide. along the base of the building, but um. yeah. Oh, you heard, I got a picture of it. You're right. Yep. So it's like it's like <laughs> wide, mm-hmm. and uh, this thing, this thing is a paint job, right? It was painted by Robert Vargas and depicts Eddie playing his signature red and white. Sorry, red, white, and black. Frankenstrat guitar and covers the store's rear wall, dude. This is epic! Yeah, it's freaking huge. I know. Yeah, I'm looking at that. It's uh, it, it's pretty big, man. Yeah, do I tap on this to focus? Like, kinda I kind of focus? That is a yeah, um, that is a tribute if ever there was one, huh? That's pretty awesome. Can you imagine Steve Jones being painted on the side of Guitar <laughs> Center by Robert Vargas? I wish I'd have no one, so no, I can't.
1: Dude, Unless it's uh, you're
0: talking about Steve Jones of the Sex Pistols in which, you know, still it'd be a stretch, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, well maybe someday, you know, but hey, you know, I think one, uh, one of the things you don't have going for you is that you don't have a Frank and Strat guitar. That is true, I'm missing out on that, so. Yeah. Uh, well, so I think that's pretty freaking epic. Uh, Vargas uh, had this to say, Eddie was one of my creative heroes. Uh, when I was young the debut Van Halen record was the first album I ever owned he influenced me over the years in so many different ways as soon as the news hit of his passing I knew I had to do something creative to memorialize him and Guitar Center was the obvious venue Uh, right here on the Sunset Strip where the band made their bones I can't Think of a better place uh, for this tribute uh, to him, and I thank Guitar Center for giving me the canvas to share it with the world, dude. That's fucking awesome. It's, that's huge, yeah, exactly. For them to, you know, give up their whole wall like that for, I mean, yeah, it, obviously Ivan it Halen has left his mark on the world, but now he's, you know, leaving. He's, he's just yeah. present there for as long as they keep it, right? So seriously, that's, he's that's had really such cool. a big influence on on. Rock and roll and music and now on the side of the Guitar Center's wall. Yeah, Regans, I got another story for you. Hit us. It's a uh, uh, Sheila E. has announced a biopic about her relationship with Prince. I never figured out what her last name was. It's just E. That's it. E. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like just with one E, not E. Just just one E. Yeah, not a bunch of them. But. Yeah, uh, she posted on Facebook, the uh, self-built queen of percussion shared the name of the upcoming film and teased that it will arrive in the near future. Uh, oh. Coming soon, Sheila E. To release Girl Meets Boy, a film telling the beautiful story of her time with Prince. Stay tuned, she wrote, uh, and she's best known for hits such as The, the Glamorous Life. Uh, uh, She first um, met the music icon at a concert in the late 70s and went on to contribute vocals during the recording sessions for Purple Rain. Um, She uh, she scored a series of Grammy nominations in 1984. She and her band became the opening act for Prince's Purple Rain tour with the two artists developing a relationship during their time on the road. Um, And so while she's telling fans to stay tuned, she offered um, very few other details about the project in her initial post. But uh, she had remained close friends with Prince before his untimely passing in 2016, occasionally joining him on stage and taking Mm -hmm. a leading role in 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 his shows. So, um, and she did claim last year that they worked on a wide array of unreleased songs, so there might be more um, more coming from that. Uh, Interesting direction as well. Yeah, cool. Well, how fortunate. was it, you know, for Sheila E. to have had that relationship and, you know, friendship with, uh, with Prince? That's epic. Yeah. Um, Prince probably knew what her last name was. I mean, he might, he might have been able to find that out. You know, it's possible. Yeah. He yeah. might have been the only one that knew, and he just took it with him. You know, took that secret right with him <laughs> <laughs> to the to his grave, and, uh, and it won't be told again. So. <laughs> right. Right. All right. Well, Sheila E., good for you. Um, I've got a story to share. What do you got? It's about Miley Cyrus. Oh, okay. What's Miley up to these days besides well, creating also, a Metallica covers album? I have high hopes for that. <laughs> um, it's about Miley Cyrus and it's about the Super Bowl, and she announced a Super Bowl performance. For a very special demographic. Mm, For- Would you like to uh, take a stab at who she is uh, doing this performance for? Coaches that did not make it to the Super Bowl. (laughs) Good guess. (laughs) Well, uh, close, but uh, she is, um, she announced a Super Bowl performance for healthcare workers that are now vaccinated. So this mm. is an inaugural pre-game event called the TikTok Tailgate. So uh, she is set to perform at the 2021 20, Super Bowl, which I think is in two weeks, right? Um, and she literally, there, there are going to be vaccinated healthcare workers in the audience. That's Wow. Yeah, those are the privileged folks who... Uh, who, you know, are honored, who get to be honored by her um, uh, by her special event here. Um, They're gonna be 7,500 of them. Wow, that's a big show for, right I know, we're talking about the E-Flaming Lips doing a show for like 200 people, you know? Yeah. And this, is, this is big, huh? Yeah, there must be a lot of, you know, um, healthcare workers that are big Miley Cyrus fans. Well, it doesn't um, sound like they get to bring their families, so that's cool. Uh, yeah, there, maybe there are no plus ones. I don't know, unless the plus one is also a healthcare worker. That's fine. I know. <laughs> don't know, but whatever. So this is again a pre-game event. So I don't expect this to happen during the halftime show. It's it's Who's not. Playing? She's not doing the halftime. It's oh, the weekend. It's, isn't something? it the weekend? Yeah. Yeah. Right. We're gonna think. Uh, excited about that too, and. Um, So they're all gathering there at the famed uh, Raymond James Stadium, which is uh, in Tampa Bay, Florida. So the Buccaneers are hosting those motherfuckers. Um, That's great, that's great. You know what? The only thing um, that I have to say about this story is I guess she's saying, you know, fuck you to all those frontline healthcare workers that have not been vaccinated yet. I know. Well, hopefully, they better a be. A lot of them. They're going to be pissed. I mean, I think, in, especially in Florida, I think a lot of them probably have. I, I don't know. I know Florida kind of clumped everybody like sixty-five plus together. And mm-hmm. um, I was texting with my aunt who lives in Florida the other day, actually, before the Green Bay game, um, and she said, "Never underestimate the goat," uh, in which. She ended the game with never underestimate the goat. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, and she, she was telling me she was about to get her second vaccine dose. Um, so, wow, uh, which is pretty impressive. That's very yeah. impressive. Yeah, yeah, my dad, he got his, um, he lives in a retirement home, right? So they, they all got their vaccine on the same day, like Walgreens came in and they just vaccinated everyone in one day. And then everybody gets their second dose, I think first week of February. It, you know, I think it's being handled a lot better under this current administration uh, mm-hmm. The do- doses are actually able to get out there and aren't being, not as much as being wasted, I think, so. Um, yeah, right, which, right. Which is good, so. Um, yep. Well, Jens, I have one more story for you. Okay. Uh, is it about our beloved Mr. Dave Grohl? It is indeed. Uh, you know, I told you, Food Fighters are going to keep delivering uh Every week, I'm sure, uh, for, the, for the coming weeks because they have a new album coming out. And uh, so they're gonna be playing a special release show and launching a radio channel again. Uh Oh, so, no shit. Yeah, they're teaming up with Sirius XM to celebrate the release of their new album, Medicine at Midnight, uh, with a special live performance and the launch of a special branded radio channel. Uh, they're gonna kick things off with uh, Foo Fighters Radio limited time channel uh, on uh, Sirius XM on February 3rd at uh, 12 p.m. Eastern. It'll feature the band sharing insight into their new album and stories behind some of the biggest songs, demos, b-sides and rarities throughout their more than two decade career. Um, and I mentioned a special show. They're also gonna be playing a special show uh, for the network's listeners on February 5th at 5 p.m. Eastern uh, and Pacific with the Foo Fighters live from the SiriusXM uh, uh, garage special performance from Los Angeles and then at midnight the station's going to broadcast the album in its entirety for a track by track special that will be hosted by the band um, and so SiriusXM's Scott Greenstein had this to say Jens Um, From their inception in mid-90s to their recent performance at the 2021 Presidential Inauguration Celebration, Foo Fighters remain one of America's biggest rock bands. They've achieved critical acclaim for their music and onstage energy, all which while building a large and loyal audience. This special extended channel will draw new listeners and as part of it, uh, we are very proud to present a Foo Fighters concert from our LA studios next week. they band that grabs you and won't let go. And we'd love to bring their music and passion to our listeners. So yes. They, I don't I did see their performance at the inauguration and it was God, it is the same performance ultimately that they did on Saturday Night Live. I'm not sure if you got a chance to see that, but just like they uh they did a stripped down uh type uh version of um oh god, what's what song was it? Uh Fighters, SNL. Um, it was times like these uh, they did a stripped-down oh, yeah. version of these. and it was and it's just like it was so they brought a new life to that song. It's so powerful, uh, you know, in the way that they kind of recreated it for the you know for this time, and uh, mm-hmm. it's really cool. You got to check it out. Nice, definitely will do. Yes, that is our Dave Grohl Foo Fighters story ends, So. <laughs> Ooh. There has seldom—I mean, how many times have we had a, a pod without a Dave Grohl story? Like once, maybe. I mean, it's—it's it's small, it's small. We we try yeah. and bring it every week, and once you know, even even Dave Grohl needs a vacation. So once in a while, there's you know, we can't promise it every week, but we try. So uh, <laughs> he's he's kicking back, you know, on his couch or whatever. He's like, oh man, I'm so sick of being in the news all the time. Oh, I'm just gonna take one week off, do nothing. All right, Well, Jens, that's our show. I'm going to tell you who we have on the program next uh, week that uh, we have moon taxi on the program. Now this was, this was a fun one. Um, they have a new album called silver dream that just uh, came out and um, I got a chance to, to uh, talk to their keyboardist West and uh, we broke it down. It was, a, I mean, we, we dug in and I mean, it's, it's a really fun album. I, I really enjoyed it. So uh, we're going to have Ooh. them on uh, and then, Following week we'll have William the Conqueror. So we got some more shows lined up, keeping it rolling here on the concert pipeline. Keep that pipeline full and flowing. That's the way to do did it. Did you so. did you catch that? You said rolling, uh, so I did uh, something with flowing. <laughs> I did. I did. I'm glad you brought attention to it too. I've I'm been interested. practicing, man. I've I have i have been practicing. Don't think I don't. I'm working on my uh transitions. No. Um Working on taking his pod down into flames, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 <laughs> Segways. Yeah. There you go. There you go. All right. Well, I'm going to take a segue and get out of here, okay? So, uh, and, uh, so for all of us here at Concert Pipeline, that's Jen Shippel. And that is Steve Jones. I'm segueing right to the leave button. Boop. We'll catch you next time.